My name is That Johnny Guy, formerly Real Faction for most of my career as a music producer. I'm mostly known for my uh, work with the Necromancer theme song from the game Castle Crashers and the making the soundtrack for the game Pico School, the 2016 version, as well as running some contests and a holiday on uh, Newgrounds called Pixel Day. The Art Inspired Music Contest and uh, the Newgrounds uh, Audio Portal 20th Anniversary Collab and so on. I podcast sometimes too with my show Off the Wall. Some people may know that. Or I interview people. I'm also a writer. I'm a voice actor. First, I'm going to talk about what I was like before I came across Newgrounds uh, in 2003 some events, some things that shaped my personality were uh, like, I spent a lot of time with my best friend, Jason, growing up. Um, we're still friends, but after he got married and had a kid, well, <laughs> I haven't seen or heard from him a lot, a lot, but I need to catch up with him soon. I'm sure we will. Every once in a while, we get to talk. He's a musician, a guitar player, mostly. He would bring his guitar over. He's very musical and bring like this binder of uh it was like a zip binder or whatever you call it it had these sleeves of cds different albums soundtracks and rock bands metal bands and he really had a big impact on my personality we were both very goofy and when we first met when i was around four three or four and um growing up with autism was hard i used to i used to really do a lot of things to really piss a lot of people off. I <laughs> pulled on people's hair and stuff like that. And he was no exception. I I really made him mad. And my mom had the idea to like bring us together in the same house and we became best friends somehow. We used to beat each other up. I have no idea how that worked. My mom's not even sure, but she had a feeling. I don't know. So I'm thankful, thankful to her for that to this day. My friend Jason got, you know, he we, he helped kind of fuel my creative spark and got me interested in music. And then there's my cousin, one of my cousins. We don't speak now for reasons, but uh, it's kind of a shame. But he got me into some anime I watched, uh, Power Rangers, some bands and game video games. And he was actually the one who introduced me to Newgrounds uh, in 2003 on uh, Easter. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I was at my aunt's house, my aunt and uncle's house. And for some reason, he just something possessed him for us to me, him and my other cousin, one of my other cousins to kind of get together us guys to go on my aunt and uncle's computer or whatever. And he's like, hey, check this out. This is a website called Newgrounds. And then we started watching some like animations. And I was like, oh, this is cool. But before that, you know, but he was a big influence in my life. He was also like a big brother to me. And uh one of the people that really got me into the things that I got into. Struggling with autism growing up, especially Asperger's syndrome is what it was called uh, when I was growing up. That kind of was a huge contributor factor, uh, contributing factor uh, to my personality and how I function socially. I was very socially awkward for most of my life. And I just wasn't self-aware. I wasn't aware of uh, myself until I was older and the things that I did or said, you know, and I overcame some of that, some of those, those habits. 
I was also homeschooled for most of my education uh, up until high school. So I discovered Newgrounds while I was still being homeschooled. I was like 11 years old. I can't really say a lot of positive things that shape my personality. I did struggle a lot as a kid. Most of my life, or not most of my life, but a lot of years up till then, I was very sheltered and kind of forced to be a certain way, forced to be religious and very pressured. I felt anxious because I felt like I was being raised in an environment where I was expected to be almost perfect, kind of walking on eggshells in some ways. And it just wasn't healthy. And there are times where I just didn't feel safe. But the times I did feel safe is whenever we all watched movies, me and my family, we would watch movies. And that's essentially where I only heard secular music was games, movies, and all that. Otherwise, it was classical music and Christian music. I was very music-deprived in that way. Movies had a really big impact on my life. I was really big into that stuff. Like, in writing stories, I watched Steven Spielberg films, Robin Williams movies, uh, Jim Carrey. Uh, my mom and dad, of course, didn't like you know that I watched the Jim Carrey movies. That was because of Jason. You know, he he got me into that. It helped those movies, especially with the Rob, Robin Williams movies, helped me see. You know, it helped me connect with something and being weird. And, you know, when I felt felt kind of alone, it kind of made me not feel as alone. And it helped me realize that I wanted to be a goofy, silly kid. And now, well, I'm a silly man. <laughs> I'm still pretty goofy. But with Newgrounds, Newgrounds and the people in Newgrounds, the people I met helped me struggle less in some ways. I felt really welcome there. And I connected with a lot of people, a lot of people like me. Well, some people like me, not exactly, but to the deepest extent, it still has been kind of hard to find someone a lot like me. You know, everyone's unique in their own way. My experiences with other websites when I was younger, the earliest I was allowed on the internet is when I was eight, back in like 2001 or around that. I used to get on AOL, America Online, which was like a browser, but it was more than that. A mega browser, or whatever they call it. It had parental settings, so I couldn't go to certain websites. It was way more complex than like, I mean, it was a program. It was way more complex than like, say, Internet Explorer or we have Firefox now, we have Google Chrome, but this was, this was way more than that. It was like, a, it was an experience. Of course, you had that dial up um, and the dial up monster demons that screeched whenever you tried to connect to the internet through dial-up. took forever. I don't miss that. <laughs> but back when Saturday morning cartoons were still a thing, and I really missed that, I used to watch a lot of cartoons, a lot, lots of shows like on Kids WB, Fox Kids, things that people have no idea about and won't know unless you look up on YouTube. And some people have actually posted the broadcast, and I was really happy that someone did that. So they had websites, uh, Fox Kids, Kids WB, stuff like that. This was very early 2000s, very primitive Flash websites, you know, Flash games. But they were fun back then. Down the line, I got into not so great websites. And for my age, it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily something I should have gone to. But honestly, I'm sure a lot of other kids probably did. E-bombs World, Stupid Videos, uh, .com or whatever it was called, the works. 
I was going to around 2005. I went to like MySpace and I made a profile, Homestar Runner. I still miss MySpace. Having music on your profile in the background and a custom background theme and custom HTML add-ons and like GIFs and the whole format just made it fun. But websites like Facebook, I guess, were more professional focused and more basic. And but it just kind of sucked the fun out of everything. That's what made me mad. Like whenever whoever took over MySpace and kind of just wanted it to be music, kind of ruined the experience because it took away all the bells and whistles. I think why, why people were attracted to it. Now they're doing nothing with it. I still think you know my a website like MySpace, if it utilized in the right way, could really thrive today, especially with the censorship of Facebook and Twitter and all that crap. If there is a more free website like that, but that's what's so great about Newgrounds. Newgrounds is they won't tolerate your crap, but they aren't going to censor you for like the things that Facebook do. And, you know, they're, they're just way going way too far with that. They've got an agenda, but websites used to let you be more customizable and free. And now it feels like someone's trying to be a dictator and be like, you must follow the rules to the T. You cannot have custom backgrounds, nothing. And it's just all the same, all one page, all one color. It's it's boring, dude. Like, remember when you could customize your YouTube pages? Like, uh, some people in this generation won't because some of them weren't even born yet when that was out. <laughs> some people don't won't re- don't realize that YouTube let you customize your pages. Before Google came along and like, you know, ruined all of that. They ruined a lot. They ruined a lot of stuff. They took away stuff. They added some things. They added some improvements, but they also took away a lot of what made the site functional. And yeah, I won't get into that. But internet pages also used to be much slower to load because obviously broadband speeds, um, you know, bandwidth, all that used to be so different. We used to have so much slower speeds. Um and with our technology still growing, uh, it used to be slower to load when I started using internet like over 20 years ago. And we didn't use instant messaging as much. They had chat rooms since I think like the early 90s or the mid 90s, but it wasn't as widespread. And by the time I used it, it still wasn't like hugely widespread, but it was more common. Uh, we used AOL Instant Messenger, also known as AIM. It's what a lot of people that I knew used around. 2003, 2004, MSN, Windows Messenger, Skype. Uh, Skype's actually older than people realize. I think it was like 2003, 2004 when Skype came around. It it paved the way for Discord. Uh, And it was way better than... It was way better before Microsoft bought it. But that's, yeah, pretty typical. But uh, (laughs) the internet is much more dangerous these days. But it's much more functional and informative than it used to be. Of course, this interview is kind of focused on me being unfiltered on my opinions and views. You know, this is kind of a deep dive. I normally don't talk about this stuff because I normally just want people to have fun with my content. You know, I don't want them. I don't want to be doom and gloom. I don't want them to focus on that stuff, you know, but this is the one time where I'm just kind of unfiltered and kind of this is more personal, more intimate. Google existed back then too. It wasn't used as much, but uh, a lot of people used Yahoo Search before it even became an email service. I, you know, and uh, some of these facts might even be blowing the minds of the Gen Z kids right now. But it's true. So this is kind of educational. 
I also have been doing a uh, a, a series. I, I don't know if I'm going to do it much longer, but it's kind of a mini series, little podcast series, small, doesn't take up much time, little bite-sized chunks of episodes. Uh, it's called My Retro Life. It talks about my life in the 90s and 2000s. And one of the episodes I did talk about dial-up internet. So there's that. I kind of regret showing my face on the internet, but at the same time, I really like that I could bring my characters like Jack Sirius to life and old JK TV footage on YouTube back when I used to do do that show when I hung out with my friends. So it was kind of inevitable that I was just going to be on camera. I always loved being on camera. My parents used to film me a lot when I was a kid and I used to make silly videos and I loved acting. So it's, you know, and then I eventually loved filming stuff with the camera. So they kind of got me into that. You know, I had fun with it. But if I had advice about using the internet to anyone who's kind of either new to it or maybe they're a teenager and they're young and it's they haven't shown their face yet, uh, <laughs> don't show your face on the internet if possible. Your legal name, not too much personal information because things go viral and you just don't know and it could ruin, it could ruin your life or somebody else's life. I kind of broke my own rules like years ago, but it's too late now. So. Uh, be safe. There's a lot more ways that people can take advantage of you on the net these days. And don't post, don't really post on TikTok in all honesty. And if you do, not much because people and TikTok and Twitter sometimes will try to cancel you for the stupidest reasons without evidence. Like then they'll make assumptions and then people will kind of gang up on you. And it's just, you know, because that happened to my friend and it was really, really dumb, but he bounced back from it. Cancel culture just sucks. You know, we didn't used to deal with that till like, I think the past 10 years. On one hand, it's good that we call certain people out on their behavior if they keep going and they're predators and people need to be warned about them. But on the other hand, it's like Karens and misguided kids, people like that take advantage of it to, to ruin people's lives and careers that they don't like, even if they didn't really do anything wrong. It's just they take advantage. These people take advantage of that, knowing that they have that kind of power. And it's silly. I actually did a podcast on that once, on that topic. As far as what makes me happy, I've been through a plethora of problems growing up. One reason I started writing books, other than for the enjoyment of it, as I love to write stories, it's because I wanted to give people something to connect to and learn from. Growing up, watching movies and shows greatly impacted my life, teaching me important lessons, especially in my later years from high school to throughout my 20s. I, you know, I have some books planned, yeah, multiple books that will teach some of those lessons I learned through these fictional fantasy adventure stories that I'm writing. But I am also writing an autobiography down the road. I, I have that planned. I don't know when, but eventually. More than anything, what's made me happiest throughout my life is connecting to others. Uh, you know, I've struggled with that a lot uh, throughout my life. I love helping people and making new friends, you know, bonding. And I haven't really had enough of that. I still want more of that. I had that more in high school. I, I really missed the. I missed that. You know, along the way through my hard experiences, therapy, and studying psychology, I learned a lot of things, like how life is about learning things, not knowing them right away. I was really hard on myself most of my life. 
really hard. Having autism, I didn't really understand the things the same way that people did. Um, some people understood how to get to, uh, out of depression much easier than I did sometimes because they had an, a, they understood a simpler explanation of of how to do it and, and other things. But I didn't. I didn't, it didn't click with me. There's a lot that didn't click with me. I just needed something more substantial, more detailed logic. Something that really explains it better. Most of my life, I was afraid of my future because of how much I messed up. And it seemed like no matter how hard I tried, I just, I kept messing up. I kept failing myself as well as others. That's, that's what I felt like, you know? Life's, like I said, life's about learning, not knowing. You know, uh, I learned a lot every year and it's important to realize small things sometimes learning little by little, even the small progress. Uh, it's important to see small steps, the, the little things, you know, just to really track that to, to acknowledge it, to recognize it. I regret neglecting going to therapy sooner than I did because I thought psychologists weren't that helpful. Um, the first psychologist I had, he w- he helped in some ways, but he just, he was not, he didn't help me substantially. Not as much as my later psychologist did. Uh, way, way down the road in recent years, actually. They helped me a lot. And now I tell people, you know, it's funny because I used to, I used to neglect therapy a lot. Uh, I used to, I used to tell people because of that. And I told people, oh, they're not going to help. You know, and I relied on my friends and I've met people like that too, but I just try to tell whoever I can go to therapy. If I, you know, as much as I can, if I see someone struggling, I just tell them go to therapy because it teaches you more about the mind. Think of it as like a class, classes, and you're learning how to work with your mind, your understanding, you're actually learning psychology. You're learning more about yourself. You're learning more about psychology, how the brain works. You're learning how to get out of this funk. Uh, now, granted, there's some psychologists who don't do their job. That's why you kind of look for good rated psychologists and kind of you have to keep kind of going to different psychologists until you find that one therapist or wherever that really gets you, really, really cares. And you, sh- you can see that they, they are passionate about what they do and they have a good understanding of it. I try to help people when I can with my knowledge of psychology, but if I don't, you know, if I know that I can't, you know, help them or if they just won't listen to me, I, at that point, I just say, Hey, I kept trying and trying, um, with my life. And I, I went from one of the most angry, the angriest, most negative, depressed people that I knew that anyone would know to a, a much happier and mostly positive person these days. Uh, the change is night and day. It's, it's just incredible how much I've changed. I've come a long way. And I'm really proud of that. A long time ago, a wise, a wise man once told me to stop trying to be like a hammer and to be more like a screwdriver. Back then, I didn't understand it as well as I did later on in life, but it really stuck with me. And I'm really thankful that he told me that. I was trying to live a life like anyone else. And I 
didn't embrace myself for who I was, not my flaws, or, you know, and I was, I was trying to do things that, you know, I wasn't trying to do things at my own pace, a healthy pace that was good for me. I was trying to catch up to everyone else, do what they were doing, you know, just trying to be like them. I was afraid of being left behind and, you know, distance and I didn't feel good enough. I felt slow and I didn't accept myself, but do what's good for you. That's another important thing that I learned. Go at your own pace. It's not a race. There's no hurry. Don't worry if everyone else in their 20s is married, whatever. I'm 31 and I'm not married. I'm still, you know, I've been working on myself and I'm working on taking care of my life, my priorities. You know, I just got two jobs. I finally got my career. I'm finally standing. It took a long time, but I managed to finally get there. As long as you get there, that's what matters. And granted, it is much harder to date in your 30s. And I do get a little nervous about this sometimes. But, you know, when you find that person, uh, they'll, they'll like you for you. You know, just, just keep trying, keep making new friends. Music as an outlet, uh, listening to it, making music has always been therapeutic for me. So that makes me happy, too, uh, being creative. Um, I like making people laugh, being goofy, being myself, being successful at my jobs, um, because I was jobless for many years and a lot of jobs just, I did not do well at because of my trauma and autism. I struggled a lot. I'm much happier now than I was knowing that I'm able to take care of my needs, uh, finally. And that's, that's very important. Um, doing events for Newgrounds is also fun. That's that's really made me happy that I can give back to the community and give people something fun. Uh, it's fun to do. It's a lot of work, but it's fun to do. Uh, just getting to know everyone that I have there. It's a fun place with really nice people. So let me talk a little bit about my history with Newgrounds. Um, in 2006... I joined Newgrounds in late September, exactly one day before Madness Day, one year before uh, Madness Day even existed. So I thought that was pretty crazy because I'm a huge fan of Madness Combat and Crinkles. He's a friend of mine. We don't get to talk much, but he got me, he really got me into drum and and bass music like Pendulum. And that's, you know, I love that. uh, Yeah, I love their albums and Knife Party as well. I love the music and Madness Combat. I've made a lot of songs inspired by the series, and I have a playlist of that. I just never thought I'd end up talking to him someday. It's crazy. I don't remember much about that year since it wasn't very eventful, and that was kind of late in the year. So um, in my personal life, I used to go to church, and I used to be religious. I'm not now. I hung out with, with my friends a lot there. I wore this camouflage hat turned sideways, camo pants, a sports jacket or something. I, I tried I tried way too hard to be quote unquote cool. I came off as a cheesy 90s character. <laughs> and that's still kind of my style, not that exactly, but you know, a m- more modern, matured development of that style, I guess. So not in the same way, but Back then, I was getting more into metal, and <clears throat> I started getting into that when I was 13. Uh, my mom never listened. She never let me listen to anything that wasn't religious. Like, 
Christian conservative music, like uh, con- what's it called? Contemporary music. I don't know. It was just a generic. This music sounds all the same, whatever. And classical music, which some of it I liked, but when you have classical music blasting in the morning when you're asleep and your mom sings like an opera singer with the high-pitched notes, just ear-piercing notes. And don't get me wrong, she was a good singer, but I just, I was not a morning person. And so I had to walk in there and I would turn off the music and I'm like, mom, can we please just have a nice peaceful breakfast? (laughs) And she would always complain about me turning it off, but yeah, we were just opposite in that way. I wish she was a little more considerate, but oh well. But eventually, you know, my dad saw that I was being neglected to be exposed to she, I I was not, I was, um, how, how do I say this? It's like deprived is a better word. I was being deprived of music. And so one day my dad got me in his car. I want to say I was around 11, 10, 11, maybe 12. I don't know. He let me listen to Queen in his car. And I can't remember if it was a tape like a cassette tape or a CD, because we had both. We, we had a tape player downstairs, too. We also had tape players in our cars. Um, I think it was a CD of the best of hits, and then he told me not to tell her. <laughs> so, yeah, I, you know, she didn't like Queen. She didn't like how, you know, quote-unquote strange Freddie Mercury was. Most of the music that I listened to came from, like, games, movies, TV. That was... You know, so somehow she allowed me to do that, but she wouldn't let me like watch Power Rangers or something like that. I don't know. Just it was weird being sheltered. I was a sheltered kid, and you know, it really affected kind of my friendships. And I was, I don't like that I was raised and forced to be that way because, you know, she was trying to make me to be something that I wasn't and trying to make me like her. And to be aggressively forced to live this lifestyle that's very, very sheltered, not very distant from the rest of the world, um, except for, you know, Christianity. I'm not I'm not trying to hate on that or anything, you know, just saying the way that she raised me. I used to be into heavy punk rock uh, around middle school, but around 14, I was starting to come out of that phase. And I wasn't into it as much after that. My friend Jason got me into metal and hard rock bands. A lot of the stuff that I listen to now, uh, he introduced me to all those bands. And that heavily inspired my music as well as heavily inspired me to become a musician. So I have him to thank for that. I can't remember what I ate back then. I generally have like salads and chicken and... I don't know, pigs in a blanket, hot dogs, burgers. Uh, my mom mostly tried to keep me healthy, but sometimes it wasn't healthy. You know, sometimes we'd have pizza nights, of course, you know, movie rental, you know, $1 movie rental nights at the local video store and right next to, in that little strip, right next door was a pizza, local pizza place, loved their pizza back before my gluten allergy, my, my gluten allergy developed. So, you yeah, know, that's unfortunate. There's some good gluten-free pizza in my city, though. I ate a wide variety of things, really. 2007 was the year of Madness Day. First Madness Day on Newgrounds, from what I remember. I was 15 years old. Um, 
That was a very dark period for me. My depression started when I was 11, when I started becoming more distant and rebellious from my parents. And I didn't really understand why I was depressed and trying to find a girlfriend to, you know, but it was to, to find love, someone I could connect to. And that sheltered life took a toll, eventually took a toll on me. And uh, then I realized, I started to realize that what my parents were, were doing and that I couldn't trust them with, with my lifestyle or my, my personality. Or, uh, we didn't have anything in common. And, and just things that they were doing were just chaotic. They were always fighting. Uh, well, not always, but a lot. And, you know, I just didn't feel safe. And I realized that they weren't going to listen to me, you know, despite how many times I've told them things. So I just kind of shut myself in my own world and shut them out. 15 years old, I wore a lot, well, 15 and 16, I wore a lot of black t-shirts. My depression got worse. Sometimes I wore eyeliner. I hated a lot of people and I was just angry with the world. I was tired of being misunderstood. I questioned religion at that point. I was pretty much agnostic at that point. I'm not now, but I was. I was just confused and trying to like figure out everything. That was more of a turning point for me. Unfortunately, I was conditioned, you know, until I broke out of that mold to, you know, to just go against what my parents told me to believe in, mostly my mom. Um, don't get me wrong. I still love my parents and they love me, but there's just things that they've done to kind of put me through some damage. I've, you know, damaging things. I'll just leave it at that. But 15 is when I started to break away from all that. Um, when I started to resent them for, for sheltering me, being overprotective, my mom was Republican, my dad was Democrat, and well, they still are. I normally don't get into politics, but, but this is a deep dive and I was asked to. So this is a rare time where I will talk about politics uh, on a podcast type format or interview or anything. Uh, speaking of podcasts, I normally don't, I, I don't do that on my podcast off the wall because I generally try to steer people away from that just to have fun and, you know, to give them a fun show, you know, to take their mind off of the troubles with the world right now. I eventually became someone who didn't believe in either side because I saw how much, how, how many times we've been let down by both sides, Republicans, Democrats. I just got tired of it. I mean, granted, there, there have been some good things that have been done good. And I, but, you know, from what I've been seeing, I'm not praising the Democrats, but I think that the Republicans have done a lot more wrong. The Democrats have still done a lot wrong. Don't get me wrong. But the flaw is we'd, we have this two-party system. It's very limited. It's not designed to cater to us or help us. It's just designed to help us a little bit. And there are some things that get done. Don't get me wrong. We need more options. We need like four options at least. You know, just and, and not under the branch of the government, but some and some things that are independent, you know, not not controlled, not puppeteered, not designed to where pe the, the, the good people get run under the bus and blackmailed and fake lies keep getting spread on, you know, just to throw them out of the race. Whatever happened to civil politics? I don't think we've had that for like a good 30 to 40 years, I want to say. No, at least 40 to 50 years at least. 
You know, now it's all about smear campaigns, all about, hey, let's throw this person under the bus, make me look better. No, it doesn't make you look better. It makes you look like a bully. The facts will come out, but let the people decide. Don't try to, like, bully them or be aggressive and try and be like, oh, my other candidate's a bit, uh, the, the other candidate's a bad person, my opponent. That's so stupid. That just goes to show you can't trust them either. Because if they're willing to throw people under the bus, and they're not willing to play it fair, that's dirty. And that shows you exactly what kind of person that you're, you know, going to vote. You may or may not vote for, for, for running for office. That shows exactly the kind of person they are. And you do not want that kind of person in office. I really stopped believing in politicians in all honesty. Maybe there's some good people in Congress. I don't know. I just, I stay informed, but I still try to tune it out to a degree to the point where I'm just like, they're going to pick who they're going to pick and people are going to vote for who they're going to vote for. But based on my knowledge, I cannot support anybody because of how much I know that's seriously messed up about them. However, if I am to vote, it's usually when Social Security or Medicaid is threatened to be abolished, you know, because those are some things I strongly believe in that help this country and anyone who wants to get rid of that when we're a struggling, suffering country, when they're trying to not help the people, but they're trying to get tax cuts for the rich buddies of theirs. No, screw that. That they're terrible people. If they're, you know, anyone who tries to do that is a terrible person. I, what really messed up with this country was we've made so lack, we've made progress in areas, but there's really been a lack of progress in an outdated capitalist system. There could be a form of capitalism that works, but this isn't it. It, it just tells you everything. Since the 80s, it's been about corporate companies allowed to buy votes and contribute to funding the government because of that. Getting tax breaks and underpaying their workers because of this stupid tip, tip system that nobody else in the world has. It's greedy. It's corruption. It's allowing monopolies to run rampant. That's what we're in this country. It ran the country into the grounds, and they keep it going. I try not to get political, but yeah, like I said, they doctor the candidates. They rarely get anyone good in these offices, especially in Congress, because like I said, blackmail, lies, people get paid to lie about other people and make them look bad. It's a joke. I'd rather watch a food fight happen in a cafeteria, and but it's just as messy. I wish civil politics would come back and we'd play things more fair and people would do what they say they're going to do, you know? Let's have some real politicians take the floor. I haven't taken it seriously since probably I was 15, about half my life ago. And given what I've seen, I, I still don't. Enough about politics. <laughs> 2007 was also the year that I started Piercing Laser, which is uh, what a lot of people have known me for, kind of. But the name isn't really famous. It's more so the song that was famous. Um, they know the song. They don't really put the name with it. Uh, my friend Dustin, um, we used to talk on MySpace. We met on MySpace around 2005, 2006, I think. And I taught him how to use FL Studio back then. It was Fruity Loop Studio, I think it was. And... Um, I think I taught him some things and he wanted to learn. 
so we collaborated and you know we wrote music together and back then we sent our music over file sharing websites or uh aol instant messenger shows how old we are but the necromancer theme song from castle crashers you know whenever it was asked that simple site was asked to to be used in the game it wasn't written for the game i wrote that one myself uh, at that point dustin had some writer's block for the second album and he was just like, I just can't think of anything. And he was in like a lot of bands, so he wasn't really making time for it. So I was like, okay, well, it became a solo project. Now, Dustin came back eventually. We recently, the past year, he came back and we started writing again. It's, you know, we've just had some, so many things come up and it's been a real slow process. It's been kind of difficult, but I don't know. This may be the last album. I don't know. We'll see. I'm having fun, though. We're writing some good stuff together. Yeah, 2007 was the year that Piercing Laser started, and uh, that was our first album together. That was that was first album. The lyrical content, most of the time, was depressing and an outlet for me to vent to, and I guess that's most of Piercing Laser's music. Like the last album, but I've been trying to make it more hopeful. Just things that I learned. Most songs from the first two albums consisted of that, especially. It's kind of it's kind of dark. I've had some dark songs. 2007 was not the best time for movies. It was really depressing because they kept putting out flops, Hollywood did and uh, it's mostly forgettable. I don't remember really many movies around that time in all honesty. Uh just a lot just wasn't worthwhile. It's just like I was just like why do they keep making these movies? You know, who's watching them? Because they all looked really generic. The mid to late 2000s was a, a bit of depressing time for movies. Now, there were some bangers every now and then, but um, the year after, though, was a great year for movies, uh, 2008. But as far as games went, uh, that was a pretty good year. For the sum part, Halo 3 came out. I had a blast with that for years on Xbox Live with my friends. Um, it's really kind of a shame how that series went after Halo Reach. I just, I don't have the same passion that I did because 343 Industries kind of killed that uh, for me and many other people. Uh, past few games have been really kind of bad. Infinite's multiplayer is all right, but they really don't understand the spirit of Halo. They really don't. And I really wish somebody else was handed the torch at this point. And if another Halo game comes out it's like i almost don't even care anymore it's really depressing but i'll still play the old games but i'm kind of burnt out on halo and just tired of getting my hopes up but it's great we can still enjoy the classics despite the um poor handling of the titles uh on the new gen hardware and the on- online co-op problems uh how long it took 343 to fix bugs and cla- you know in the classic titles like the master chief collection it's like they didn't care and then we ended up getting the new games they were working on, you know. I also played a lot of Kingdom Hearts 2 and 1 PS2 games, but I sadly can't remember a lot of my PS2 games that I had other than that. Even though it was one of my favorite consoles, it's weird. I can't remember all of them, but I also loved GameCube. Uh, though at that point, I don't think I was playing much of that at that point. I also had the Xbox 360 games that were pretty all right. I wish I could remember all this. As for uh, this year, 2023, 
the most, actually the most eventful year of my life. And I've had some eventful years, but this is the busiest, most eventful year yet of my career because I'm releasing around five albums this year or well attempting to. And this includes like soundtracks and the game related stuff. I've been working on a lot of music. Some of that stuff is for a big indie game I can't talk about yet until they release the update for the game, but it's huge, huge. It's, you know, millions of fans. It's, it's famous. I also made music for a uh, Friday Night Funkin' mod that's on the way. It's, uh, I'm not really sure where it is right now. I hope it comes out this year. It just seems to be crawling slowly, so we'll see what happens there. There's been a lot of problems with it. Um, I guess the wrong people being hired. I don't know. The director is doing a great job. Seems like the last time I checked, they're making great headway. I might check in in the near future. So I look forward to that soundtrack. Can't really talk about that either yet. Well, I guess I can. It's called the Versus Skelter mod. Um, so look forward to that. The Piercing Laser album with Dustin, uh, co-founder of that. Uh, it's an, uh, And that's... We're pumping out the new single, The Midas Touch. I don't know if that'll be out by the time this is out. But if it is, go check out The Midas Touch whenever it comes out. We're slowly working on the new album because we've had other band projects, other projects of the music. So we've, you know, we've been really taking our time with it. And then a silent voice, I uh, wish I can finally talk about that came out not long ago with our first single cryptic. It's me and my friend Lyra. She's a singer and the other member of the band, the lead singer and the artist, you know, she makes the art for the covers. Uh, she does a great job with it. Uh, we've had ideas for covers we wanted to do. I think by now our people by people cover, uh, Depeche Mode cover, uh, will be out. I'm really, really proud of how that turned out. Also, go check out our first single, Cryptic. Uh, it's for our friend who has who's struggled with suicidal thoughts, and I think it's really helped her because she really loved the song, and it's really encouraged her, so I'm really happy about that. Um, I love it when my music can do that for people. Well, our music, I should say, because thanks to Lyra for the amazing vocals and the ideas that she had for her. She's the one who, she's the one who pitched some ideas. Uh, you know, we, we, we mix, we bounce ideas off each other of how we want it to sound. Uh, and I'm really happy with the direction we're going in. So that's the silent voice. Go check us out at our Bandcamp store. Um, also this year, Another big thing, it's my first Johnny Guy debut album that isn't a soundtrack. That's like my producer name now, that Johnny Guy or Johnny Guy. You know, it's my producer name, my legal name. My first Johnny Guy album, full album will be out. That's not game related. And not long ago, I released the first single, Hate to Love. Go check that out. Um, it's on my band camp, thatjohnnyguy.bandcamp.com. Basically, it was going to be a cursed server album. It was going to be a big concept album with a lot of collaboration with a lot of people. Really had to size it down. It was very ambitious and really disappointed. I didn't get to work with all the amazing people who wanted to work with me, but they just got really busy. There, there are some pretty big names on Newgrounds, and they got work going for them, and I'm really happy for them for that. I do hope we get to collaborate in the future, though. I also kind of absorbed Kid Project and Curse Server, and kind of merged them into this Johnny Guy project. Um, well, the, the Johnny Guy project 
was already out. It just, you know, it was my producer name for a while. Been that way for a while. Um, with this debut album, I kind of merged the sounds of Curse Server, my previous uh, electronic project and kid project, my hip hop, you know, rapper name, my rap project. And I kind of merged the sounds into this album. Uh, and I real because I realized it didn't really sound like a Curse Server album anymore. Some songs sound kind of like it. The last album, uh, Freaky's Revenge, there was something else to it. It was very poppy. And I realized that it sounded a little mainstream, a little bit, but with my own kind of twist on it, with some experimental stuff. Um, and it has some comedy as well. So, yeah. I don't know if, I don't think the debut album will be out just yet, but if it isn't, it'll be coming out in the near future by the time this comes out. Um, so look forward to that as well. I, I really, and I've also, another reason I did that was I wanted to kind of reduce the amount of names I have at some point. I think this might be the last Piercing Laser album. Uh, I'm not sure. Anything beyond that would probably be either a silent voice or Johnny Guy when it comes to like, Maybe rock music. I don't know. We'll see. I would be okay if it was the last album, though, because I've worked hard with Piercing Laser over the years, and it, it's been kind of hard for Dustin and I to write stuff together, and it's taken our time. We've got a lot going on, so this would be kind of our swan song, because it, it ended how it started with us, both of us, and I was never really planning... Well, I didn't really want to end it without him. Or I think I did originally try a couple times where I was like, you know, frustrated with myself and going through some inner turmoil struggles, but it was really the fans as well as Tom Full of Newgrounds uh, that really helped me keep it going and made me realize, you know what, I want to keep doing this. So thank you all for that, uh, for those listening. But I released a lot of genres under Real Faction. In those days, it was just all over the place. And yeah, I only had really one name back then other than Piercing Laser. But I felt like people were getting too confused and people wanted that narrow sound and a more consistent sound. Like, and, and that's why I made so many projects in the first place, so I could categorize the sounds. So if people wanted this sound, and expect, you know, they could expect that sound, that consistent sound from that project and not all over the place, that chaotic mess that clutter that real faction was uh back in my real faction days that was my producer name most of my most of my career also what's going on pixel day was this year in january 23rd as it is every year uh i originally pitched that idea to tom in 2015 an original idea uh, an original new a new original newgrounds holiday idea since i felt like newgrounds could use more holidays and nothing was really going on in january but I'm thankful they brought that to life. I just I finished judging the entries. The Pixel Day winners came out. Good job, everyone. Uh, I'm really really proud of everyone for that. Um, we uh, and I and by the time this comes out, I will have finished the Newgrounds Audio Portal collab, the anniversary collab, 20th anniversary collab. It's uh, 2003 is when the Audio Portal was introduced to Newgrounds. Where you upload your music and stuff. Now it's a lot more, a lot bigger. I'm really happy about it. Really happy that I was allowed and, you know, to have this opportunity to lead this project because that's where I started my career. And it's just means a whole lot to me. So it's coming along great. We have like 160 people in the Discord server. By the time this comes out, that's all going to be over. I'm, I am repurposing the server though to, you know, as a sort of a safe space for 
people to collaborate with each other, especially like singers that want to connect with musicians who want to be used. So I think I'll have more categories and, you know, just make it organized. So make it, make it like a catalog of people who are open for hire, you know, to be used in songs or musicians that want to collaborate with each other. So it'll be like a hangout place, but a collab uh, server in a different way, not this collab, but like, but it's kind of like what we're doing now, except it's like, it's not a specific project. It's just whoever wants to find singers to work with, find voice actors, speakers to work with, you know, and just an easy place to find all of that. Voices by Corey was originally supposed to help me, but there really hasn't been anything for him to do and I feel kind of bad because I thought we were going to need help with the vocalist but we we got it so organized to where it just kind of you know they they do, they they're able to work the work does itself while they do the work and you know he's just really there for questions and advice I guess but he's a good friend of mine voices by Corey you know who's also going to be on my new album which I'm really excited about there's a 10th anniversary of the art inspired music contest uh, that'll probably be announced by the time this comes out. Maybe not. I really don't know. But I'm going to be a little involved in making my top three pick for the songs that I like since, you know, Fierna and I, uh, she used to be known as House Ionic Falcon X. Of You know, she, she's made Epic Battle Fantasy games soundtracks uh, by Matt Like Swords, aka Kuko Games. And it's really awesome how far they've come, both of them. Fierna and I made this contest, this art inspired music contest in 2013 so that was 10 years ago so it's really exciting this year is big for it's just an anniversary year it's really big season four of my podcast off the wall started and i thought it was going to go longer life's picked up i've got two jobs i'm juggling a lot of different projects so i'm just kind of having to pass the torch i might pass it on to alistair who's shown me that he's really good with questions and has a great voice great setup and he takes this seriously he's i mean he's the person that um is interviewing me for this very thing i'm hoping that works out he might get himself a co-host sidekick um i've been talking to jojo aka juke star i think jojo juke star i don't know it's um they're, they call themselves JoJo, but I think on Newgrounds they're called Duke Star, I believe. But they go by JoJo. They're, they're a friend of mine who, you know, we talk sometimes. And they seem to be a good candidate for a co-host. Uh, they're very personable, and I, I, I feel pretty confident about them. And, you know, they're going to be interviewed, or not interviewed, they're going to be on the show, you know, that probably, maybe by the time this comes out, you'll see. But I'm, we're just kind of seeing, playing it by ear, seeing how they do, and maybe they'll come on the show, I, you know, so we'll see what happens. <laughs> I'd like the show to keep going because I feel like Off the Wall is a great thing. It's your source for underground content. Originally started in 2020 after I was asked to take a break from the Newgrounds podcast due to mental health reasons. And uh, I was a host on there for a while. I wasn't really in a great place and I went to therapy for a while. Um, that's the short version um, without getting into the details of that. but. Then I was offered uh, by Hikari a radio show in Canada, you know, and uh, well, yeah, I could work from home, you know, but I could record and send them files. It was a music show. I could play underground music from Newgrounds. 
I did like 18 episodes of that. So 18 weeks, it was on Friday night primetime. So I think they still play the reruns, if I'm not mistaken. Half of the music had to be Canadian content, and I was just running out of uh, stuff. I didn't want to keep repeating stuff. Uh, I mean, I didn't, I didn't really know game music. I'm not from Canada, obviously, but I just wanted a talk show more than anything. So season two and onward uh, was, you know, became a talk show. And I was still trying to figure it out. Season three is when I really started to figure out what it really was is is supposed to be in my eyes what I think it should be. So I really think it's a good thing to give people a platform, not so much an interview format. We might interview people uh, with questions, you know, to kind of push the conversation along if needed. Uh, it's more of a hangout, and they talk about whatever they want to talk about. I tell them to prepare what they want to talk about in advance and give them a platform. If interview questions are needed, they'll, they'll ask questions. I try to do something different than the other podcasts or shows just to get more personal with them and, you know, whatever they think would be a great, great to tell the world what, what would help people. That's ending this year with me. I don't know if the show is going to end for good. I don't, I don't think so, but you know, whoever I pass it on to, hopefully it's Alistair, but whoever it is, uh, if that, if that gets to happen and it keeps going, I think it'll be a great thing for new grounds. Um, let's see. Oh, I forgot to mention the great one. Um, my co-host, you know, he's done a great job. He gives show notes. He still wants to provide show notes after I step down. He's kind of stepping down as co-host. So it'll kind of be like a producer behind the scenes, kind of like a writer. And he's also known as the interviewer. He's always featured the show in the Tank Tribune. Great guy. He's an awesome friend. Thank you, great one. You know, shout out to the great one. Done a lot of hard work. Newground Zero Hour is a game, fan game, fan sequel to Pico's School. We've been, me and my team have been polishing that for so long. And we've, we're finally getting to the point where we just brought on a couple more artists, pixel artists, and we're aiming for a Pico Day release. So it should be, it should be likely this time based on like the progress we've been making is pretty good. We've just had to get a lot of meat out of the way, especially with the framework of the engine, uh, the game engine. And then we had to redraw some sprites. And I think, you know, that now thinking back on it, they really needed to be polished anyway. There's still some stuff to be done. There's a little ways off before Pico Days, but hopefully we'll make it. I'd like a version of it to be there and then post updates. You know, we're going to keep updating it with new content. So that'll be exciting. So, yeah, and then I'm, I got my two jobs. I'm a CLS worker. I work with one on one with people with disabilities. And then my other job, I work with people with autism in a program at a center and uh, I've grown. I've grown up with autism, so I want. To, I, I don't want people to go through what I did when I was younger, kind of lost and confused, and finding my way the hard way. Um, where a lot of people just weren't being honest with me, and they didn't really know how to help me, and I didn't have the resources I needed because there's not enough help for people with disabilities, especially my disability. So I want to be the plus one to contribute to the help. And I'm really happy that I'm making difference in, a difference in people's lives. But I'm really happy, more than anything, I'm really just happy to help. And I'm really happy with what I'm doing. Yeah, I'm just thankful for the support. I couldn't have done any of this without Tom Folk keeping me going, encouraging me, as well as my fans and my friends. So, you know, I finally got my life together. And that was a real struggle. Anyone who's followed me long enough knows. They even have given me money in times of need. And I really try not to ask. And only on rare occasions if I absolutely need it. 
I don't think I'm going to need that anymore. So I'm just really thankful I'm in a place where I can finally say that I'm finally, I got two jobs and I, I'm starting to make money. And as far as how I feel about the experiences I've had, the friends I've made, awesome projects that I've been a part of. I mean, I kind of just, <laughs> well, I guess I already kind of gave that answer, but um, just, you know, for something a little different, it's incredibly humbling and just great to look back on everything I've accomplished, uh, what I'm going to remember, and I'm just very fond of it already. So I'm thankful. What it means to express yourself is just to do what makes you happy. Just to express no matter who you're around, as long as you're not hurting yourself or anyone else, people will just love you for being yourself. Just do what you enjoy. That's probably the shortest, simplest answer that I've given in this whole freaking thing. <laughs> in 2008, I was asked if uh, my piercing laser song, Simple Sight, could be used for the Castle Crashers Necromancer theme. So that's actually the first time. And I was only 16 years old at the time, by the way. And that still kind of blows my mind. Uh, it's the first time I was only making music for two years at that point. And that was the first time my music was in a big video game. And that's you know, still a big indie title. And it was awesome. I didn't design the song for the game, contrary to popular belief, but uh, I made it for the second Piercing Laser album, Parallel Universe. I uploaded like the instrumental version just to kind of give people a preview of what it was going to be like without the vocals. You know, that's something I don't really do anymore, I don't think. I rarely ever upload instrumentals that are, you know, instrumentals first that are meant to have vocals later. I think it's been years since the last time I did that. Now it's kind of after. Sometimes I do that, but I don't really release instrumentals of stuff with vocals anymore. I usually just wait. So that's kind of interesting. That's some that's something that's changed. The first soundtrack that I work on was around 2011, but I never got paid for it. I released some of it on Newgrounds. It was like for a shoot 'em up game that my friend was making um, in Italy or something where I made soundtracks for canceled, failed projects. And for the longest time, I just it just got so frustrating. I got to the point where I didn't want to make them anymore because I was so frustrated. Because I was tired of people just not knowing what they were doing with game projects. And it just was poorly handled. And I just got so frustrated. And I just, it was so much work. And I was tired of putting myself through that. And because I knew I had to scrap the entire thing and it, my work wouldn't really show on a resume saying, because I was trying to build a resume of game soundtrack work. So, But with that said, in 2013, I made my first ambient music um, for a soundtrack. And this is a real shame. This was one of my favorite unreleased things. That was I saw screenshots and the idea. It was going to be a real original game. And I have no doubt in my mind, had this been released, if it was possible, this would have been a huge indie hit on Steam. And it would have been a one-of-a-kind thing uh, for the time. Um, and still kind of is. Uh, it was for an interesting concept by VOEC, um, directed with me and collaborated with me on the music. It was a really fun project, and I'm still really fond of that soundtrack. I actually got interviewed, uh, or not interviewed, I got reviewed from a local, um, I think it was a music article website or a review website. I don't know if they had a magazine or what, but it was like a local review in my city of, uh, I think, a decently well-known website for music reviews and stuff like that. I think this was like an online magazine. I don't know, articles and stuff. And they they just praised the soundtrack, and I was just really happy about that. That was years later. 
I'm glad I could at least release the soundtrack for free. You know, I could release it at all. Actually, it was my first time in sound design as well. Use some oscillators to design the sound effects. Well, some of them. It had really spooky vibes. The feeling of curiosity and adventure. Or some parts. Some parts are just ethereal and uplifting. And it's just, it's got some just uniqueness to it. Man, it's a shame that never got made. It's called Fisher. You look at the Fisher OST. Original soundtrack. It's on my Bandcamp. Realfaction.bandcamp.com Another cancel, and we're ta- while we're talking about cancel game projects, another one of my favorites that was a shame it never happened. I was talking with my friend Sam, Samonet, Schulz, Death Inc. We were all fans of uh, The Thing um, in the 80s, starring Kurt Russell. Um, it was a fan tribute game because it's, it's one of my favorite movies. And I was making an 8-bit soundtrack for it, but it sounded more like a Game Boy soundtrack in the later 90s. I was heavily inspired by game soundtracks like Pokemon when I made 8-bit chiptune music and stuff. Of course, I released the soundtrack for free on Newgrounds and Bandcamp you know, since it got canceled. 2015 or 2016... Uh, there was a soundtrack inspired by the Rampage games with all the monsters smashing the cities. Sadly, that got canceled, and I was a little salty about it, but it got paid. I got paid, but it was just another thing I couldn't put on my resume. I eventually released some of those songs as music packs that were copyright-free for people using games, but a lot of people just didn't buy them on my website, and it was really costing me money to put up realfaction.org, I think it was, or maybe it was .net, I forget. So, website doesn't exist anymore. There's some of those I still haven't released to the public that I might release at some point. But 2016 was the big year when Tom really popped the question if I could make the original an original soundtrack for Pico's School. It was one of the biggest. It's one of the biggest game on Newgrounds. I don't know why he's a big fan of my music or why he chose me. I st- I just I'm still b- baffled by it, you know, because there's so many other people that are so much better. But he's always been a big supporter and a fan of my music, and I'm just honored. You know, it just seems like it, my work made him and others really happy. So I'm, it's a huge honor, and I'm glad they like it. We wanted to keep the original vibe of the uh, the well. I don't know if you can call it the original soundtrack because I mean I guess you can. It's just not. Well, it's not original. It's just a soundtrack. It's it was copyrighted songs that were originally like one, two second samples or whatever for the uh, original version of Pico School in 1999. Then we uploaded in I think 2006. I think it was maybe earlier than that. But we I wanted we wanted to be true to the original feel of those songs, inspired heavily by those songs. Amp it up a bit, you know. This time making an original soundtrack. So Pico's school would have its own music for the first time, you know, crafted for specifically for that game. I wanted it to be like cinematic and atmospheric, like the wind tunnel effect you hear in the first two tracks to slowly build the tension in action. Just the it's almost like electronic version of the start of a spaghetti western uh, shoot or uh, I guess a shootout scene. Like a like a duel scene, 
and it just kind of you got the wind blowing and you just know you got that music even the music in the background you just have that sense of danger that tension so that's what I wanted also make it feel like a game soundtrack inspired by old games I used to play around that time the game uh, the game actually released so I wanted it to kind of have a a 90s vibe to it maybe early 2000s in some cases but more like late 90s yeah so so I wanted to stay true to the original vibe it was a lot of fun I really like the the electronic growl synth that I used uh it's kind of a trademark for some of my music and especially that soundtrack um and I don't want to spoil anything but there may be if if this comes you know and this will probably come out way before this happens but I'm just going to tease something here in 2021, I had a re-release or digital release, which was a special edition of the Pico School soundtrack with a remix of Talk and Smack and a metal version of Boss Fight. I don't want to spoil anything, but there's something else in the soon future this year that's in the works uh, for a another release. I don't want to say what kind of release it is. That's all I can really safely say. There's going to be something big uh, with it. That's that's all I'm going to say for now. So look forward to that. If anyone gets this far and actually gets that juicy little tidbit of information. 2021, I got to work with Spaz Kid, my good friend Corey. Had no idea that he was a fan of my work all these years. Uh, and we've been friends ever since. I actually, I actually met him at Pico Day 2016, the very first time, you know, and I was like, whoa, cool, Spaz Kid, big fan, you know, and he's working on Nightmare Cops with Tom Fulpin crew, and he actually walked me through the game, so that's something I'll never forget, having Corey Spaz Kid walk me through, you know, an amazing platformer game that they made, and that, I will, I will always treasure that memory, that was awesome. Uh, I can't wait for Nightmare Cop to come out. Uh, we recently had him on my podcast, Off the Wall, actually. He talks a lot about it and things that people don't know that are coming. So it's a little bit of an exclusive if you want to go check that out. But yeah, it was just a huge honor. I got to work with him on a game called Fetal Fury in 2001. We also worked with Squidly, who programmed it. And we all shared ideas. Made a really fun Ludum Dare game. Unfortunately, there was there was kind of a fallout between them. That's all I'll really say about it. Just we didn't really agree. They didn't really agree. They kind of butt heads a little bit about some ideas. And it's really kind of a shame because I really wanted this game to come out on new grounds. I'm really proud of the the music and the sound effects uh, and the voices. Like I basically did all the audio except for like one sound effect. You know, I'm really proud of all that. I, it still makes me laugh when I, uh, I sometimes I still play it. I'll be honest, because I convinced them to put my Jack Serious character voice in the game as the announcer, and it wasn't it wasn't originally going to be there. But I thought, wouldn't it be funny to taunt the player and uh, just with these funny lines and just harass and insult them, kind of light lightly, you know, just kind of kind of tease them uh, while they're playing the game because it's it's like it's such a high pressure game where it's like. You, you got to hurry up. And then and then you got this guy in the background saying, chop, chop, sucker, hurry up. You know, I thought that would you know be hilarious just to have like 
And then Game Boy just kind of harass you while you, and when it's already bad enough, you got a time crunch. I thought that was that was pretty great. I really wish I could make a Jack Serious game. It was also, yeah, but it was also another time I worked with sound design. And this was actually my favorite time that I worked with sound design. I rarely ever have. I rarely have that experience. I don't know if I'd do it again unless it was like this. But 95% of the sounds in that game are all made with my mouth. And that's the voice of the main character, the and I'm still I'm still surprised that I can get that high considering how low my voice is. Um, yes, it was inspired by Link from The Legend of Zelda before you ask. And I didn't want it to seem too much of a ripoff, but maybe it is. I don't know. The music. Uh, oh, and the sound effects with my mouth. It's like the all the slime sounds and the the for the um, grapple hook and the I think for the swings, punches. I can't remember exactly. It all worked out really well. It was surprising. I, I, I didn't think I could do all that with my mouth in the way where I could actually make it work. So this was kind of new to me. Baskid gave me a clear direction, said he was, hard, he was hard to impress, but I did it. You know, I, it was, you know, we just kind of worked. It was working chemistry there. You know, it's great when you have work chemistry, when you're, you know, between people who work together on a project and it just it flows so well. Our workflow was just really well, and I'm really happy about that. I really want to work with him again someday. I know he's busy working on Nightmare Cops, but we want to work together again in the future. So I told him, hey, just hit me up. And he's, you know, he's up for that. And we sometimes talk. You know, he's a really cool guy. Can't wait to work with him again someday. I took, ins- uh, and, and I took inspiration from classical music for the soundtrack and music from old fighting games like Capcom versus SNK2, one of my absolute favorite fighting games, and the Tekken games especially. Um, the music in those games are awesome, as well as Street Fighter, the Street Fighter series. Uh, Street Fighter and Tekken especially has amazing fighting music. Uh, it, it, ama- amazing soundtracks. I wanted it to feel like that, you know, to have that arcade feel, that it's a fast game, it's fast-paced, and this is what Corey was conveying to me, you know, make it fast music. It's a fast-paced game, it needs fast music, it needs to feel like you're in a, it's just lots of energy, and he loved my metal sound, he liked my piercing laser sound, so I thought, okay, let's, so it's kind of like piercing laser, except more inspired by Japanese rock and metal bands, like Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, Baby Metal. It's, it's colorful, it's playful, it's something fun to listen to. It's really kind of interesting how I did a fusion of, for the boss theme. It sounds like old-timey music. The piano was going... I wanted something kind of jazzy. Kind of like in Cuphead, right? It's fused with metal. I somehow turned that, translated that into the lead guitar riff. And I still kind of am blown away that I was able to do that. I'm just, I'm really proud of that. You know, I, I, it, I didn't think it was going to work, but I wanted to try it and it worked. It's, I, I, it somehow worked. I had a lot of fun with that soundtrack. I've also done a lot of commissioned YouTube theme songs for intros of channels over the years. When I used to have my music production business for some years, Playheart Studio. And I did some soundtrack work for uh, that indie game I mentioned that I still can't talk about because I'm under NDA contract. It is a big deal. I can tell you it's a, these indie, this indie game dev team, they're very well known. Millions of people know them. So that's all I can say. 
But hopefully this year, you're going to find out what that is. I am so excited. I cannot wait for you to see it. As far as resources, I can recommend, as well as my past work, Here's a playlist of my past work for game style music. It's my go-to for like, if you want to hire me for game soundtrack, a lot of diverse styles that I can do. And it that pretty much shows all of them, at least game focused anyway. Off the wall season three and four, you can check those out. I want to try to keep the show still going. So even if I'm not around, still support the show. I might drop in on some episodes. We'll see. And then there was this podcast series that took a deeper dive into the earlier years of my music it was called reinvention it like goes from 2006 the very beginning and even maybe before that it gets really personal with my life so if you want to get even personal than this that's like almost like a diary in a way it's like it looks at my childhood and what got me into really making music some old memories with friends some incidents i went through while and and just my music over the years, what they mean, what they, you know, what they meant uh, back then, you know, inspiration. This, there's a lot of stuff. FL Studio is what I use. You go to imageline.com. It's image-line.com. It's not, it's not the cheapest, but it's a lot cheaper than it used to be. They used to charge a lot more for it, I think. So it's a lot more affordable these days, at least for the basic version. Highly recommend it. Um, Reaper. I used to compress audio and record vocals. I also recommend it. It's it's useful for many other things. It's a great recording software, especially for podcasts um, and recording vocals and mixing stuff. Audacity, uh, if you want more, something more basic. I mean, both of them are free, by the way. Uh, Audacity, I mean, that's more basic if you want to go with that, but it's not really near as good as an as editing software as Reaper, which makes it once, once you learn Reaper, it's just so easy and seamless, and if you can make it lets you do a lot of things that you want to do. But Audacity, kind of a step down from that. You don't, it doesn't have near as many. It, it has features and it can do a lot, but it's not, it's not as user friendly, or and it takes longer. Also for recording, I use. Well, see, I use a XLR studio mic. Uh, it's AKG. I don't remember what exact model it's called, um, but I use a preamp and a audio box. I run it to through a USB to the computer. High quality stuff, not cheap. I did get a good deal on it. My dad got it from his neighbor for half price. Uh, he used to use it to record stuff because he's a musician. But I use Morphox Pro. I think that's around seventy dollars maybe less i don't know and you it's only a one-time fee but it's you know i think it's worth it for what it does you can have different filters it is a little pricey you can also do the eq you can block out background noise echo cancellation you know the works this thing is awesome uh you can set your eq settings so it's like pre-eq with recording now you do want to be careful with that so i wouldn't recommend going crazy with it i do have it set mostly because it saves me time with mixing and i know my voice and i know what you know what register it is and what sounds good with how to mix my register my my tone tonality uh my qualities of my voice i know how to bring them out through uh eq without it being overbearing so 
generally this is what I do so I don't have to mix it later. And so I just, other than compression, I, you know, for my podcasts, which I, I guess I won't really be doing that anymore, but also singing, this is pretty much what I have it set on naturally. What I'm recording with now, it's going to sound different after editing, but I don't think any EQ is going to be done afterwards. I could be wrong because I don't know what's going to be done with this when it comes out. <laughs> Probably compression will be added. I would recommend it. But it sounds better with compression when I bring it up. Not heavy compression, but just kind of in the middle, moderate compression with a four, four point ratio. I'm too tired uh, to explain all that. But I, I don't really know even how to really explain all that in terms that would make sense. Yeah, so that's some stuff that I use to record with and stuff that I work with. So yeah. So let's go back to podcasting a little bit. I, I already talked about this <laughs> into the more of the details. Like I started podcasting. I'll talk a little about a little further back than uh, the Newgrounds podcast. 2015 is when I started podcasting. Um, I was actually the very first person, surprisingly, to submit a podcast on Newgrounds. Uh, and as soon as they announced the category for the audio portal, I was just, I was just on it. You know, just the spur of the moment, the first day I, I was interested in it and I just submitted something, I think, later in the day, I believe. I was already doing an update video series on my YouTube channel at the time called The Faction Report when I was real faction. So it, I wanted it to be like, kind of like real faction was a group of people, like, because it was a faction, even though that's not the origin of the name, but I kind of evolved it into something else. That, so I thought it would be cool to be, to, to uh, just to keep my fans up to date in sort of a old G4 TV inspired, but also, you know, just just a format that I had to give my fans updates and behind the scenes, talk about my work, see what was coming next down the road and down the line. I had fun. You know, oh, and uh, let's see, faction report. Oh, and the, the, then I, it became the faction cast, I think, on the podcast version of that uh, when it came to Newgrounds. So it was the faction cast. That was the name of my first Newgrounds podcast show. Unfortunately, it was just me <laughs> just talking about myself. And eventually, I just got really tired of seeming self-absorbed, even though it was just for my fans as an extra little blurb of, hey, if anyone was curious of what I'm doing now. Down the, down the line, I had fun interviewing people and uh, coming on to other shows, other podcasts, being, like I mentioned, the Newgrounds podcast. And we already talked about that. But, but after Faction Cast came Talking Real, uh, which was kind of like Faction Cast, except just a new name, and also got more personal with my life instead of just updates. I also talked about what was going on in my personal life. So it was kind of just getting into my head, just kind of like sitting down, hanging out, and getting to know what's going on with my day and my, you know, that time of my life. So Talking Real lasted... God, how long did Talking Real last? I know it lasted at least three or four seasons, I believe. It ended... 2019 is when it ended. And that was before, you know, so that was when I kind of took a break from podcasting for a while. And then, yeah, then I was approached by the Newgrounds podcast in 2020. So, yeah. Rest is history. I, I guess that's mostly, <laughs> besides what I already talked about, that's, I mean, that's what I did. Yeah, it's like I said, I use FL Studio, Reaper, Audacity, and more Fox Pro 
pre-EQing uh, my voice, knowing my voice and all that stuff. Um, that one's a one-time fee. The others are mostly free, except for well, they they can they are free, but for FL Studio, you gotta also pay some money. But yeah, years ago, back when I was working more, I paid for all this. I don't really listen to podcasts anymore, but I am into the older episodes of the Newgrounds podcast. Uh, I mean, mature content for some of that. I think. I mean, I think we're mostly okay, mostly T-rated. Some of the episodes got, yeah. I mean, it, it was mostly okay. I think we were just stayed at a T rating for the most part. I will say Conan O'Brien, I've looked up to for many, many, many years, at least 14, 15 years, I want to say. Wow, almost half my life already. Jeez, man, that makes me feel so freaking old. Uh, Conan O'Brien inspired some of my humor and type of comedy, and I just love, love his stuff. Can't wait for his new show to come out. There's supposedly more remote stuff. And it's coming to HBO. Uh, HBO Max. I'm really excited about that. But Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend is his podcast. It's a funny podcast. I sometimes listen to listen bits and pieces of. It's really hilarious. Um, so that's something I can recommend. I'm not really in the podcast world. Because I don't really have a whole lot of time for that. Uh, despite you know me loving the podcast. And that's part of why I'm stepping down as a podcast host for the most part, or at least stepping back because I don't have that kind of time anymore. And I'm, you know, I have two jobs, but how do you improve at a craft? This is probably the shortest answer in the entire interview. <laughs> um, you study, you keep practicing and you have a passion for it. It's really as simple as that. And you just keep getting better at it. I first started writing when I was a kid write a lot of poetry for years, I think. Uh, a little bit in kindergarten and first grade, I think is when I started, I believe. I could be wrong. I think it started around seven or eight. Maybe. I think that was around time. I think I wrote a poem about a turtle and about the moon. And I don't remember how that went, though. My mom might still have it. But when I got older, I basically made these um, silly, fake alien sci-fi movie scripts. <laughs> One of them being heavily inspired by Halo. I think I was like 11 at that time. But it mostly started when my mom grounded me, and I can't remember why, and in my room, and made me read the Chronicle of Narnia books. And I don't agree with some of her forceful, aggressive parenting tactics, but, you know, because I, I, I hated reading back then. I'm not huge on reading now, but like, had I not read. The, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Um, I wouldn't have had as well of a start with that creative spark. That's what kind of... That was... That, as far as I know, was my very first real creative spark. Is That's what started it. Uh, C.S. Lewis is a great author. I love their use of imagery. And I'd never seen that before. So I was like, huh. I had never uh, seen a story told like this before. And I, it was fascinating because I was used to pictures, you know, picture books. And if it wasn't a picture book, I wasn't interested in it. And, but the, now, granted, it did have some pictures, like black and white sketches in some of those books, I think. For the most part, no. It's just one of those books where it doesn't have pictures. So I learned to start enjoying those. And, and I read, eventually I read the entire series. I read all those books. I, I think I only read them all once, but I enjoyed it. Can't remember what my favorite one was, though. I think one of my favorites, surprisingly, was the prequel. The Magician's Nephew was pretty cool. 
But there was another one that was my favorite. I don't know if it was the silver chair or what it was. I don't think it was the silver chair, but it was one. It was some. I, I can't remember. I, I wish I could remember which one it was. I do remember really well uh, reading The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. I think I read that more than once, actually. I could tell you a million things, but the best way to find out how to write professionally is to really look up tips online on Google or search engines, you know, um, just find articles about it. Make sure your grammar is proper. Spelling uh, as well. Grammarly is actually a great tool that helps with that, but you still, for the most part, want to have it looked over by a proofreader uh, if, you know, if you can afford one or someone wants to do you a favor. But just as far as writing, go with what you know. Uh, things that you've been through or things that things that those events inspire. You know, what inspires you? Symbolism, imagery, uh, those are great tools of writing right from the heart. But also keep it grounded in a way that people can connect with. I find that to also be important. But most important, well, aside from that, most importantly, it's your story and tell the world what you want. But, but if you really want people to be engaged, you have to kind of go the extra mile to, to learn the tools of writing really engage with your audience and who you're aiming, what kind of audience you're aiming for, what's your demographic. But just have fun with it. Have fun with it at first and then refine it later because you're going to go through a lot of drafts. I'm going to tell you that right now. Be prepared to be stuck with this universe for years. Something that you really love and that you would stick with for years. And that's how you know you've got a story that you love. Because one thing I will say about some modern books, even when I was in high school, it annoyed me so much that I would read, read these books that only seemed to focus on whole pre-teen books, vampire, romance, novel, craze. And that annoyed the crap out of me. Not the scene itself, but the simple fact that these authors kind of took advantage of the scene and instead of writing seriously they a lot of those authors were just trying to make a quick buck and were basically they had these messy stories and messy character development with no real details or imagery that were anything special very toned down now granted it is for younger readers it would bore them if there were too many details maybe they did their job but me personally i was not impressed because i did read some of those in high school. And I read a little bit of the Twilight book that my friend kept telling my friends kept telling me about. And I was like, this, this is not structured writing. The character development was awful. And I don't know really why it became a bestseller, not to put anyone down, but it just really frustrates me, especially the fact that it was actually, if I recall, I think it was a fan writing of something else, I think, or maybe that was another book I'm thinking of. It just felt like they didn't try with the potential they had. It didn't feel like they tried as much as they could. And that's what frustrates me. When I know someone can do better, you know, I, I, it's kind of like Gordon Ramsay. And when he knows someone can do better, but they just don't give it their all, it just frustrates him to no end because there's no passion in that craft for them. Now, because the way it, it read, just kind of seemed like it was they were in their own head and they were in the having fun with it phase. 
but they didn't really in re- they weren't in the really refine the story to engage with the audience phase, even though somehow it engaged with young readers. And I feel like they could, if they knew what it could have been, they would be able to appreciate a better story even more. And I don't like I don't like putting anyone down or insulting or anything. I just I just feel like it's so overrated compared to other great, well written stories out there. There's there's the problem of character development not being present in a lot of the books that I read back then. And I think we're still having that problem to some degree. And it's frustrating because I've read better stories from friends that I had back then online who showed me the books that they were writing. And yet they had such a hard time getting out there. And I'm like, look, people are going after writers who don't care. And there are writers that I knew that just have this gold mine of inspiration and ideas who are clearly more passionate and take it way more seriously. And I, I enjoyed their books more that, that, uh, that they were working on more than the books that I was reading. And that's what was so frustrating to me. And that was part of why I started writing a book back then, but I didn't really finish on that because it, I just, there were so many problems that I was dealing with, with that story, which that, but that story I might finish. I made it into an audio drama series called Venturescape. I might finish it someday. Right now I'm writing my own book called Johnny Trouble and I'm having trouble writing it. (laughs) I'm actually rewriting part of chapter one because I just, like I said, you're going to go through a lot of drafts. You're going to say, maybe this could be better. Maybe I could, maybe this would make the story flow better instead. And I'm having trouble with chapter two. I do, once I am not as busy, I do want to get back to writing the book and be more dedicated to that. Just, it's not been there for me because I have so much going on right now. I do recommend The Chronicles of Narnia. You probably hear that a lot. Great Gatsby. These are all these books that I read in high school. And these books were actually good. The Great Gatsby, I actually did like. The Lovely Bones. So that is a, there's a little trigger warning there for... Uh, it's like a based off sexual assault. Uh, that's what I... That's the nicer version of saying what really happened. But they, they do respect... To some degree, they respect the um events they they kind of tiptoe around it but there 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 is a little bit of that it's a little it's a little real factor to it when you know with the the guy who commits the act and he says these really creepy things so just a trigger warning if you have been through that i don't know if you would want to read that book or you might want to skip over something so skip over a part of that was also adapted into a movie. So there are a couple of books I read in high school that were adapted into movies. Great Gatsby, The Lovely Bones. I did not expect Peter Jackson to take it above and beyond the way he did. I thought, you know, he made it a little bit over-exaggerated, but in a way that's beautiful. It's like, it, it's it's such a great, it's a great story, but the the movie, though, was really good. I, I, I always loved Peter Jackson's work. Though The Hobbit's movies, I feel like he messed some notes on there. It's like, he... I think that's that's kind of the lower tier work that he's done, you know, sadly. We'll see what happens, you know, with his future work. Kong movie and Lord of the Rings movies, those are some of my favorite movies of all time. Peter Jackson just, he made these masterpieces. Um, I recommend, what else do I recommend? There are a lot of books I read in high school. I don't know. How to Kill a Mockingbird is pretty good. Um, that's a popular one that's been recommended for decades. 
These are all, again, high school books. I don't read a lot, like I said. As far as other media, God of War series, even though it's bloody and graphic and mature, so obviously if you're underage, you probably don't want to play it. Or if your parents say, oh, hey, 12-year-old Johnny, can you, you can play this. Uh, some parents expose that to their kids. I don't really agree with it. Some people at 14, 15 years old might be okay playing it, which eh, I have mixed feelings on, but that might be all right. I don't know. But the God of War series really has an interesting turn on the Greek mythology, and I really like the storytelling and character development. I think it's really well done. Everything about those games are really well done. Life is Strange also, the Life is Strange games, the Fallout series, the Elder Scrolls series, Bioshock series, the Peter Jackson King Kong game that he also directed, also being one of the best, I think, one of the best video game or video game adaptations of a movie because most of them just sucked and just always were just a quick buck, just a, oh, it's a tie and oh, eh, eh. but I think that was actually that made you feel like you were in the movie and it was terrifying. When I played the demo at Best Buy when the Xbox 360 was about to debut, this was before the Xbox came out, or 360 came out, I think, or maybe right when it came out. Because this was 2005. That was the year that it came out. And this is the and this is what the game was also being developed for. So they wanted to kind of help demonstrate what the Xbox 360 could do. So they had this V-Rex demo and when I first saw that thing, because I back then I watched Jurassic Park too early as a kid, four or five, it traumatized me. So from that point on, I was pretty terrified of nightmares with dinosaurs, which I had most of my life, getting chased by T-Rexes and Velociraptors every once in a while. That would happen, and I would just hate, hate, hate when that happened. If it was a video game, like movies, I was okay with. But if it was a video game with dinosaurs, like, say, Turok, I could not get through that. I had to shut shut the console off and walk away. I had a phobia, man. I could not do that. That was the, that was my Peter Jackson's King Kong. Sometimes I had to do the same thing. I had to pause, save, and like okay, can't do it. Did eventually get through the game thankfully, very slowly because of my fear. When I saw that V-Rex demo, I was terrified beyond belief. Oh my god. I had never seen anything like that in a video game. So that was pretty terrifying for me, but also impressive. Very great game. The Lord of the Rings, Two Towers, and Return of the King games were also some of my favorite games. Amazing games. Halo 1, 2, 3, Reach. Uh, screw the other games, because 3, 4, 3 didn't really care. Portal 2. Well, Portal and Portal 2. Undertale. The Last of Us. Vampire the Masquerade. Bloodlines. Classic. Final Fantasy 6, 7, and the 7 remake. Final Fantasy 14. Had some all right story, but it's just it's very convoluted at times. I hear here it gets better at Heaven's Ward, which I still got to get back to. I still need to get back into that game when I actually have time to play games, which I don't right now, but I will eventually. I haven't played most of the Final Fantasy games, but I do want to play more of them. The Silent Hill games, Resident Evil 7, Hearts of Eight. Some of the story of the older games were all right, but the dialogue was cheesy, which is the point. It was based off of B-movie horror, B-horror movies. The Legend of the Zelda games, though, you know, it's weird. 
for the some part, they're well-written. It's mostly focused on the gameplay, so there really isn't that much story in the earlier games. But then you get into, like, the, the when you get into Majora's Mask, that's when the games really started getting heavy into the lore and whatever, and that, and that just was awesome. Really great. Loved it. Love, I love even the later games, they have great lore, great storytelling, and it's weird because you don't really see much character development with Link, per se, because really, the character development is you as the player, so I think that's what they wanted in the game, which is kind of cool. But it is cool to see the character development with other characters, which is, but it's mostly, it's not much character development, but it's mostly written around the plot. I think maybe... Majora's Mask probably had more character development from what I, you know, just from what I remember. If you like good storytelling, that's all stuff that I recommend. So let's talk about voice acting. I started off voice acting for projects in 2012 with a built-in mic in my Mac <laughs> Mac computer. I can't even remember what that was called. Um, Yeah, I don't remember. I had two computers. I was living with my dad in his little tiny Section 8 condo, which... I really hated living there. I literally could take one step, hardly even, from my mattress on the floor when I finally got a mattress, and there was my computer. It was, it was the mattress, the chair, or the, the computer chair, and the um, and the computer desk, and that was it. That was that's all the space. It was all kind of li- almost crammed together. It was it was it was bad. I won't say what my first role was given that I was paid nothing for it. I feel like I was taken advantage of because it got millions of views. And they said they couldn't pay me, but they got millions of views, so they were clearly making money. And the credits were tiny, so it was clear to me that the creator really just did not care about appreciating who worked for them. So I think they were trying to get a newcomer to take advantage of them, so they didn't have to pay anyone, just getting getting into the scene. So... You know, because I was inexperienced. So it's sort of a catch-22. I appreciate that I got my first role having millions of views. But at the same time, it's like... They also did something else they didn't ask if, you know, permission for and if they could use my voice again. And it was just all kind of a mess. I don't want to go back into that. So I'm not even going to promote them. But it was my first role. I'm trying to remember my second role. But... Yeah, I got a Blue Yeti mic to record with, and then I upgraded to an XLR. Uh, now I got my own studio mic, but I had my own studio in my mom's house in 2014 and for a few years to record stuff, mix stuff for a while with some monitors. I called it Flare Heart Studio, and that was also my music commission business. I had a pre- I have, um, I still have my, some of my old equipment. I had a PreSonus audio box. I still have it. KRK Rocket monitors. Um, I don't have those anymore. And a MacBook Pro laptop. And it was a cool, it was an all right setup. But it got really hot in there because of the lamp, kind of the floor lamp. Because it was such a, such a small, tiny room. And it was, it was like a, basically like a, it was kind of like a closet, a little bit, tiny, you know, like is this kind of a closet size, a little bit, maybe a little bigger. It just depends on what you define a closet. So if the light was on too long, it got really hot in there. It was a decent-sized room, though. It was like kind of a decent-sized closet. Not like a tiny closet, but yeah. Anyway, like kind of like a walk-in closet. But anyway, it was basically a recording. Yeah. 
Uh, but I eventually got an AKG mic later, uh, years later, studio quality stuff, what I'm using right now. And I got it from my dad's neighbor, and he paid half for it because my dad's neighbor is cool like that. It was a good deal. And it came with its own preamp, which I also still have. Uh, again, I've used stuff like FL Studio, Audacity, and Reaper to record over the years. I always use Reaper to record my vocals for songs and podcasts. And I, you know, I, I love how easy it is to use and convenient with the com- like fading, compression effects. Like the way this is my favorite audio editing tool, in all honesty, aside from FL Studio. Like it's really good. It's better for like recording stuff. But yeah, I use Morphbox Morphbox Pro for pre-EQing my voice, and that also saves me time because I know my voice. Yeah. So I think I've said that like three times in this thing. Voice acting in media that I think is good is Batman the Animated Series, just the originality and tone of the voices. This was the early 90s, but it was based on the 1989 Batman film with Michael Keaton, even with the theme, you know, uh, the, the music and and it just translated so well in that universe because that's what it was based on. So the Joker in there also with the outfit, you know, you notice that was taking the, the purple hat outfit or whatever from the movie. You know, just there's a lot of stuff that you'll notice. It's just ama- it's, it's amazing how it translated. And, and just it was it's such a good series. Just the colorful palette of characters, the art deco style. But the, the colorful palette of their personalities as well. Just a mix of silly and serious tones, giving organic characters. So it's like, I think it was, I don't know if it was the introduction of a dark kids show, because I think there was stuff before that. Like, I think the Transformers cartoons could kind of get dark back then, like the movie, I think. But, but as far as Saturday morning, like, you know, it, it got real. It's like something everyone could watch. Just gives us depth real depth to their characters, this real great development. So it's like a Saturday morning cartoon, but it's also like really dark and in-depth and really, as a detective, Batman has to really get into the psyche of these characters and some real psychology was put into this, like, you know, just some real character traits. So sometimes they would appear animated, but then you get to know them further and you just think they're real people. You know, sometimes it's believable to an extent. And it gets really kind of sad sometimes. I love the voices. It is so sad to lose Kevin Conroy. He's one of the best Batmans that ever graced the screen, as well as the other Batmans. But he's one of my favorites. I grew up with, with watching him, you know, his animated role with his voice. And it's going to be really sad when we lose Mark Hamill because he's also one of my favorites that I look up to. He's a joker. Full Metal Alchemist is also a great series with great voice acting. Atlantis, The Lost Empire, The Lion King, Mulan, Avatar, The Last Airbender. Just all these shows that are just really showing emotions and just giving that feeling, that life, adding life to the characters. That's what really makes a character. Um, Like Robin Williams is a genie, which is highly improvised and very impressive so it's basically robin williams you know robin williams the character that's as a cartoon character that's basically what that is but in that setting of aladdin and that's one of my favorites so yeah 
just give you some examples. I, those were and and um, aside from that, doing learning to do impressions. Aside from watching all of those, I would watch a lot of Sesame Street and The Muppets, and I think Kermit the Frog was one of my first impressions. And then I just kind of tried to do the other Muppets and just trying to find my range. That really helped me a lot. Answering the question, what is your self-image shaped by? Um, and what to do if someone is struggling with self-image? Self-image can be shaped by past experiences and people, but ultimately what's most important is that you are happy with yourself, your progress, and what you do in life. And sometimes that can be hard. So I've struggled with that a lot through my life. But ultimately, it's about realizing the small steps that you take, the small little steps of progress that you make along the way and acknowledging them and realizing sometimes that you're not going to be perfect. You know, you're going to have your issues. And we had to learn how to walk. At some point, we didn't get scolded for that. So try not to beat yourself up for messing up in life a lot. You know, it's hard, but we can only do what we know. And however long it takes us to learn, it's fine. As long as we eventually learn from our mistakes, that's what's important. However long that takes. Takes longer for some than others like me. And sometimes we have to learn the hard way. That's well, that's life. It's great to have a support system with your friends and sometimes people can see more of you than you can see yourself. And sometimes that's important for perspective and seeing what you need to see. Do what's important to you and you know, the more that you learn in life, especially if you take like psychology classes, like life coaching classes like I did and like find your personality type on 16 personalities and like look that up on the internet and see what resonates with you, like with qualities of that personality type, things you may struggle with. That helped me a lot. I had to do a lot of work. So whatever you struggle with, go to therapy. You know, don't neglect the help. And if you have to keep trying until you find the right therapist that takes you seriously and they'll try to misanalyze you or misdiagnose you, then worth it in the end. Find someone who understands you and someone who really helps. Someone who doesn't try to antagonize or alienate you. Someone who really cares about their job and you. Because I promise it's out there. And that'll ultimately peel back the layers of your mind and you'll learn more about yourself because they 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 can teach you how to understand the mind and, and your mind. And a lot of people don't really see therapy as a uh, as that type of experience, but it's a learning experience. It's like you're in class. It's like they're teaching you. Uh, they're teaching you how to handle these issues. It's it's focused. It's it's a focused study. So really, it's a focused study of psychology from them, based on your specific set of needs, uh, what you want to learn, and what you have to learn to get better. Hopefully, that'll help people think in perspective, um, think a little differently about therapy because some people like when I used to think, oh, it doesn't work because I had not the best therapists and I just 
thought they were all like that. They're not all like that. You just got to find the one that's right for you. Don't give up. And then through all that hard work, evaluation, and self-reflection, you will overcome it. And you'll be able to look further and look deeper into issues that you didn't even recognize before because you were able to peel those layers back to deal with those issues first to get to the next issues to really get to the root of the problems. The mind is a very complex, layered system. It takes a lot of work to attend to it, to undo some of the conditioning that we've had growing up or, or just stuff that we, you know, a different set of what we call logic that may not be logical at all. There's a little bit about the psychological side of me. Um, I have a couple psych- uh, psychology certificates, uh, life coaching psychology. So there's a little bit of that coming out. <laughs> I'm very passionate about that, helping people. I, for a living, I work in a program that I went to first personally to help me with autism. It's a program for autism. And uh, now I'm just honored that they wanted to hire me because they were so impressed. And we all just really, really get along really great. and. I love my coworkers and my director. She's, she's kind of like a second mom to me. <laughs> she's really nice. And I'm kind of following her footsteps. So really nice. And then my second job is a CLS worker. That's community living support. So I work one-on-one with people with disabilities. And the clients and representatives' requests on what they want help with, is, it's going to be always different. Maybe it's just they want someone to hang out with or someone to help you know, socialize better, have social skills, life skills, you know, and I have a lot to teach. I have a lot of stories, a lot of experience. So, so it's, it's really great. My current client's making some great progress and I'm really happy about that. So I work almost every day. I think I might try to take one, at least one day off, but I always come out, like I don't work very long though, four or five hours a day. And then I can just come home and chillax uh, because I'm able to afford to do that because of how much I get paid hourly. But I will not disclose that information. It's not the most, but it's definitely not bad hourly. Definitely not. It's and it's going to get more as I get more clients. So it's all good. I'm making good money. I'm making decent money that I need. So it's all good. It's a little bit in the psych, psych, psychology side of my life. That's what I'm passionate about, and I'm really happy to work these two jobs that I'm really passionate about. Um, really happy to dedicate my life to that. Glad that I found my calling. I knew I always wanted to help people. I just didn't know how until recently and uh, last year. And uh, that program really saved my life. So uh, just really happy to help other people that struggled with what I struggled with growing up. And it's very fulfilling. So they won't have to struggle as much or as long as I did because I didn't have someone, someone like that when I was a kid. I was very blind and lost throughout most of my life, and it's quite sad. So I want to dedicate my life to help them out because they need that. I want to add to the resources and just be an advocate for autism. How does someone become a a community organizer? This is also a simple answer. (laughs) The last one was originally a simple answer, but I guess I wanted to make, you know, expand on it. Talk to someone who's done it before. Just kind of shadow them, I guess, a little bit, but in a way that they'll let you, like whatever they're comfortable with. Like, just don't overstep boundaries. Just ask them for advice and be like, 
hey, I would love to learn more about this. And I'm sure they'd love to talk to you about it. Uh, study contests and how they work. For example, on Newgrounds, before I started getting into contests, I did study like the format of, you know, because the first contest I did, I think was 2011. If I'm not mistaken, it was the Simple Sight, you know, Necromancer theme remix contest that I did personally. I looked at other contests, how they were written, the usual rules. And really, it also takes experience, learning experience with anything you do. So over the years, I did contests like the Art Inspired Music Contest, Pixel Day. Well, really, Pixel Day was more so like Tom would set set up those rules and those posts, but Art Inspired Music Contest and other contests like that. I would just make rules and then I and then I would get community feedback, um, which is also what Tom does. Every year we you know he would be like, Hey, what can we do better for the website? What can we improve? And then you get community feedback. It's uh site, everything by everyone, and he always turns to the community on how they what what they would like to see improve with the site or what features and all that. There's actually a forum thread for that. I would basically do that. I'd ask questions. Some people would make suggestions or I would think at the last minute, like after the contest, like post-contest thought, can I make this work better for the judges? So it's not as much work, but it's effective. But it's a short, it's like a shortcut and it works just as well. Makes the workflow better. And normally that, you know, turned into like, that turned into like the rule. One of the rules was uh, putting AIM, AIM, short for Art Inspired Music, the beginning of the title. So that because before I would just favorite a lot of songs and I'd have to go through all my favorites to be like, okay, which ones are for the contest and which ones did I favorite because I love music on Newgrounds. <laughs> just to keep track of them for judging purposes. Uh, and that was before the playlist feature came along also, by the way. Yeah, that When they title it with AIM at the beginning, it really helps us. Uh, it really helped us sort through the contest entries, the submissions. It cut down a lot of time. You know, like it saved us a lot of time. And there's stuff like that. There were some things that we changed over the years. Because Fiona and I started it. Um, she used to be known as House Anik Falcon X. I recently touched base with her. She has she hasn't able to come back for the tenth anniversary of that this year, which I think it's going to be in April. Um, I'm actually planning to do a little something, sort of small something special for this uh, special anniversary year of the contest. Can't believe it's been 10 years. I started in 2013. Along the way, you kind of play it by ear. Like the longer that contests go on, you're like, you think, oh, maybe I could have done this better. And then you make note of that. And I would keep it in a folder on my computer at, at some point, at some year I started doing that. And I just kept track of the rules. I think. And I also look back at the previous posts um, from other years and I think, okay, I'll copy and paste the format, but I'll tweak these rules a little bit. I'll add these rules so, you know, nobody's confused because sometimes I had trouble being specific enough about things and people would get confused, even though I thought I explained it well enough. But then they were like, oh, and then I thought, oh, well, I, I didn't explain this well enough. It's a learning experience. So like I said, study contests, uh, Newgrounds rules, see a good way that keeps things in orders and in format. But yeah, it's all a learning experience. 
And I've even learned some things about running this type of contest that I have going on right now. Well, not contest, but a collab, actually. And it's going to be done. It's going to be over by the time this comes out. It's about to end in a couple of days from this recording, but I've still learned some new things like this, this collab thing. I don't think I've ever led a collab before. So this was a little different than just leading the usual contests or being a part of the holiday I created Pixel Day. So I, I think this is the first collab I've actually ever done. And uh, it's huge. And Newgrounds is audio 20th, audio portal 20th anniversary. And let's think that's my first collab. That's pretty, pretty honoring. I'm, Really thankful. Thank, thank you, everyone, for, for letting me do this. But I still learned some things about how to format it in the Discord server and on the, uh, the forum posts, the things that I could tweak along the way. So along the way during the collab, you know, I've changed some things, tweaked some rules, showed a little leniency because some people got confused or some things may not have worked. So sometimes you just it's like with anything else. You got to try and see what works. And if it doesn't work, tweak it. If enough people raise arms about it and speak up about it and say, hey, this may not work. I don't know if I can do this. Then you might want to change it. Be open to be open minded. Be open to that change. So that's my advice. As far as helping people goes, um, just be supportive. Uh, make sure that you're listening. You're not jumping to conclusions and you're just not interrupting or generally jumping in make sure they're taking care of themselves um be there for them you know just to listen whatever they need just as long as they're not taking advantage of you and you're not enabling them um because at that point if they are enabling you you're you're going to want to make them aware of that and if they don't change you're probably going to want to back off because you ultimately if the goal is to help them well you wouldn't enable an alcoholic would you you know, you'd want them to stop. So if they didn't stop and you kept helping them and they kept putting you through so much stress, well, you wouldn't really do that anymore. You just, sometimes you have to tell them, hey, you need help. I can't do this anymore. And you have to walk away. And it's really sad, but sometimes that's the only way that people learn the hard way. Like I said earlier, if they're going through something hard and you can't help, also suggest, hey, you know, just suggest a therapist. Tell them, if you know a good therapist, you can recommend them to them. Just give them that information. But if not, just tell them, look for a well-rated and reviewed therapist online. That's really all you can do sometimes. Sometimes it's not something you can help. Eudaimonia. It's the first time I've heard that word. How people find fulfillment in life and how to enjoy difficult things, create a positive environment to evolve in. It's hard to enjoy doing difficult things until you get good at them and enjoying the challenge. And it depends on what kind of person you are, but I wouldn't have something grueling like a job that just straight up makes you so miserable like I used to do. Uh, speaking from experience, try to find a job you don't hate. Trust me on that. Take my word. I think the most fulfilling thing, though, is to do the things that you enjoy the most, if you can, to be surrounded with caring friends and family and to help people you care about. Just do something nice for others. It feels good. Final question. How to process that? Wow. That snuck up on me and I just processed that I, that just happened. Sorry. How to process negative emotions. That is the final question. How to find value in negative emotions and be happy to feel those feelings at all. 
Um, that can be hard sometimes. But again, therapy helps. Studying helps. Like what I recommended earlier about studying your personality type and the traits. You know, maybe even considering studying psychology. Like, like just online little classes. Not like full-blown go-to-university psychology, but like I highly recommend life coaching classes because that also helped me with some self-awareness and also awareness of others, understanding others. And I think it's very resourceful when you want to learn how to be a better friend, in all honesty, aside from the therapy and working out your own struggles. Learning to think in perspective is especially hard, but I'm hoping I can teach people how to do that in my career, uh, helping people with disabilities. And it seems like I have been, and it's really, really fulfilling. As well as my books, when I'm finished writing them and put them out there, still struggling to do that. But I'm working on that. It's important to have supportive friends, like I also mentioned earlier. Uh, they might have insight because, you know, like the old saying goes, two heads are better than one. Lots of people will have different experiences and different information, stuff you may or may not know. So information sharing. It can be hard, though, when you don't have parents who know specific things or don't understand. But if you have parents who do, you're very lucky. So don't take that for granted. Because there's a lot of people who don't. And there are some who do. Try not to be hard on yourself if you make a mistake. We live and learn. Uh, like I said earlier, you can't get anything right on the first try. And you should not be expected to. Like again, like I said earlier. Everything we feel, everything we do, it makes us human. And that's the most important thing at all. I remember I knew someone, a friend who said, even when they're sad, they're at least glad that they feel pain because it reminds them that they're human and that they can feel something. And it reminds them that they're alive. And it actually kept them alive. When I first heard that, I was like, man, that's deep. It's really deep. Something to think on. Because if we felt the same way all the time, wouldn't that be kind of boring? It wouldn't have as much dynamic or adventure or excitement. Life is very colorful. And if we were all the same, that would just be boring. There would be no challenge. And we'd probably, you know, have a harder time figuring out who we are and what we want to do. It's all about the journey. It's all about the challenge. That's what helps develop our character, our personality, and what we want to do with ourselves in our lives. If you've listened this long, you are a super fan. Type out the word astounding in the review or comment. Uh, and I absolutely appreciate you for that. But if you listen to any of this, I appreciate you anyway. That was a deep dive. This is the longest interview I've ever done. Probably with the most information that I've ever given in an interview. I'm that Johnny guy. And what else can there, what is there to say? Check out my new single, Hate to Love, and bands, my new band, A Silent Voice is new. A Silent Voice, the new single, um, Cryptic, we released. And in the soon future, depending on when this is released, the upcoming Piercing Laser single, uh, The Midas Touch, when Dustin and I have some things in the works, a new album. I'm juggling a lot with music this year. I think this is the most hardworking year of my career in a lot of different aspects, music and other fields with that Johnny guy. After this, though, I'm, after this year, though, I'm really going to slow down with that. I'm going to focus on my real life and career, uh, well, my on, offline life and my two jobs and career. And I'll still be on Newgrounds. I'll still 
do some music and do some things here and there. Like New Ground Zero Hour will be a cons- consistent project, constant project. That'll be one of my main focuses. I'm writing my book. Every once in a while, I'll make a new song, depending. We'll see where things go. Who, who's to say what'll, what'll happen? Life is unexpected. So expect that. We'll see where the future of Off the Wall goes. I'm actually hoping Alistair will make a great host for the show. What, No matter what happens with the show, sit in sometimes for some episodes. But whatever happens, I'm happy to have done it for the years that I have and podcasting since 2015. If I never do it again, I had a long, good run. And I'm, 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 I've accomplished a lot, and I'm honestly... I'll accept it. I'm I'm happy with where I what I accomplished. I'm happy with what I did. So yeah, I'd be ready for that. The retirement from that. Whatever happens, either way. See you later. That Johnny guy signing out. <laughs>